All right, by a show of hands, how many people have seen the new Lion King? The one that just came out this year? Come on, don't lie. All right, how many of you have seen the real one, right, the 1994 version? Most of us, yes. So the Lion King, what a great movie. Now, these like Disney remakes of those cartoons are really pretty fascinating. Um, I was going to go see the new Lion King to kind of prepare for this message, and I started reading all those reviews, and all the reviews said the same thing. They were like, this is like a total ripoff of like the 1994 version. Like it's shot for shot. Like it has no creativity. It's no nothing. They don't smile. They're just like robotic, you know, creatures. And uh, we just like the 1994 version better. You know, I was thinking about that like two years ago, Beauty and the Beast, I think, came out with the, the first sort of live action CGI kind of thing. And everyone was mad because, man, you just messed up the original. You brought all this like originality to it. And you messed up the songs. And so... The conclusion is that everyone's weighing in and everyone's mad, okay? So Disney has just, you know, made everybody upset. So thanks a lot, Disney, for that. But it really worked out well because that means I didn't have to go see the new one. So I saved some money, you know. I was going to charge it to the church account anyway. So just, you know, <laughs> uh, so I'm so glad that I didn't have to kind of sit through that and, and be out a couple bucks for that. Uh, sir, here's some fun things about The Lion King, okay? So, number one, this was the first animated Disney movie that was 100% original storyline. Did you know that? Everything else was just, you know, adapted or this was the very first original uh, storyline. Although some people say that this was ripped off from Shakespeare. Sometimes this is called Hamlet in the Jungle. So, I'm not sure if Shakespeare can, can sue. Uh, second thing, originally they were going to cast, get this, this is, I can't even wrap my head around this. They were going to cast Cheech and Chong as two of the hyenas. And my, my mind just goes like, what would happen if both of those guys were kind of given free reign with the script? You know, it would have been a lot different movie. Um, lastly, The Lion King is the highest grossing hand-drawn animated feature of all time with a total box office of over $986 million. So it's approaching a billion dollars. And like sales, that's crazy. This is the best-selling videotape of all time. All right, so how many of you had Lion King on videotape, like the big? Yes. Um, I had two of them. Uh, this movie is my favorite for a couple of reasons. One, it's my daughter's favorite. My daughter's like, you know, old and grown up and gave me a grandkid. So, but, you know, when she was like one and a half, two, this is right when The Lion King came out on VHS. And so she would watch it, I think, on a continuous loop. It was kind of like my iPad before iPads, you know, so Lion King kind of raised my daughter, which I'm very thankful for. And I, I remember I had two tapes, and I can't remember if we just wore out the first one or if I would just like put one in and then like start the other one and put that in the rewinder, or if I had one for the TV upstairs. We watched The Lion King a lot. So it's my, my favorite movie for that reason, but also it's my favorite movie. And it's crazy because I have my favorite Disney movie that I've probably never seen from start to finish because this was my nap time as a young father, <laughs> okay? So it was just like Pavlov's dog, okay? As soon as that sunrise came up, you know, I was just like, and it was just like great. So my daughter was occupied for however long The Lion King was, and I think those, you know, songs were playing in my head, and just like, and so, you know, we, we sing a lot of songs at Velocity, and there's always words to it, so I thought we could all sing um, The Circle of Life together, okay? Uh, and three, two, one, uh, join me. Na Everyone low. Yeah. Good job. First service, no one sang with me, and that was really embarrassing, so give yourselves a hand. 
You didn't know those were the lyrics, did you? You had no idea. By the way, if you're from Africa and you speak Swahili, did I just really offend you? I'm really sorry. I tried. I really, really tried. Um, You might not know what those words mean, but I am going to translate for you. I use Google Translator. I type that in, and this is what spit it out. So, there comes a lion. Oh, yes, it's a lion. Man, I, I can't tell you when I found that out. I'm like, that is really inspiring to me as a frustrated songwriter. Because I'll spend like three months trying to just get like 12 lines, you know. And if Elton John can write those things, you know, and make millions of dollars, I'm like, there, there's hope for all of us, you know. So not too inspiring. Here's what is inspiring, the IMDB summary. So it's on here on the screen. Oh, by the way, I'm going to spoil Lion King for you, but that's okay because Dominic last week spoiled like a bunch of movies, including uh, Avengers Endgame. So he spoiled Lion King, so if you don't know what happens, I'm sorry. But this is it. Uh, a lion cub crown prince is tricked by a treacherous uncle into thinking he caused his father's death and flees into exile in despair, only to learn in adulthood his identity and his responsibilities. So we're going to talk about something today, and I think this is why The Lion King resonates with us so much. It's not just because it has great tunes and great characters and great voiceovers and all that, but there's something, I think, the theme of The Lion King that that resonates with so much of us, and it's that most of us are haunted by something in our past. Haunted by it, and we find ourselves often in a, um, a pit of despair from those things that are in our past that cause us a lot of pain. And what results from those things in our past that cause us a lot of pain um, are two words, and I'm going to kind of group them together. They're, they're real similar words, but they're really different. But for our purposes today, we're just going to kind of uh, treat it as sort of like one category, one kind of hashtag. Uh, those words are guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. So I'd like to read a passage from the book of Philippians. And the Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians 3, starting in verse 10. Paul says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. So right off the bat, Paul is saying, I want to know the power of God in my life. That that sounds good, right? The power of the resurrection, the power that rose Jesus from the dead can come inside and live within me and raise me from my condition of spiritual death. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a prayer that I pray often. He goes on to say, you know, that I want to participate in his sufferings. I don't think I've ever prayed a prayer like that before, but this was part of the the package prayer that that Paul is writing. He says, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives us three things to do if you're stuck, if you're in that pit of despair, if you are haunted by your past. He says to forget what is behind strain towards what is ahead, and press on toward the goal. Now, when I read that, I'm like, that's really nice, Paul, but like, how? How, how do you do that? Well, it almost sounds insensitive. It sounds kind of pastoral when, when Paul writes these things, but uh, maybe you don't know this about Paul. Paul wasn't always known as the apostle Paul. 
uh, Paul was known by another name. His name was Saul, uh, Saul of Tarsus. And Saul was known for persecuting the church, persecuting Christians. And if you don't know what persecution is, it's not a word that we use in our culture very much. It was pretty much that Saul used his life and his talents to torture Christians, to imprison them, to murder them. Uh, Saul was presiding and ordered um, the stoning of Stephen, one of the early uh, followers of Christ, one of the leaders of the church. Uh, he wrote in 1 Timothy about himself that he said he was the worst of sinners. And I don't believe that Paul thought that was just writing this for hyperbole, that he really believed he was the worst of all sinners, probably from that baggage and that past that he carried around with him. The book of Acts describes Paul as issuing murderous threats towards Christians. And in the book of Acts, God comes to this figure, Ananias, and says, hey, Ananias, I want you to go to Saul and uh, just go to him. And Ananias says, hey, God, let me remind you of something, that this guy is bad news. He tortures and kills and imprisons Christians. So maybe, you, I'm not sure if you knew that, God. He says, go to him anyway. So he, he had a reputation and was known as uh, not a friend of the church. And I just imagine that Paul had a lot of, of baggage that he carried around with him just for those decisions and those choices that he made in his life. And so he could write those things, and I think he knew what he was talking about. That leads us to things that cause guilt, things that cause shame. You know, when you find yourself in that, that pit of despair, when you can't move, when you just feel stuck in life. And I think there's just, there's two things. I think the first thing uh, is stuff we've done. Um, stuff done to us. I wrote uh, stuff done to us. I brought this rock today. And this could take the form of a lot of things. I mean, it's stuff that's that happened to us, maybe in our past. Maybe it's um, a broken relationship. Maybe you've been abandoned by someone who, who promised to, to love you and support you and care for you. Maybe it's a boss who has mistreated you, continues to mistreat you. Uh, maybe it's a family member who, who abused you, uh, took advantage of you, something that was just said to you. As long as we're on this earth, um, there's three things that are true, is that we're going to be insulted by people, we're going to be injured by people, and we're going to be rejected by people. We all have that in common. All of us do. And to certain degrees, I mean, that might vary per person, but that's something that binds all, all of us, is that as long as we live in this world, we're going to have people injure us and insult us and reject us. So that's one of the things that cause guilt and shame. I think there's this other one. For some of us, this is a larger rock. The size of the rock really doesn't matter, but it's the, the stuff I've done. It's the stuff we've done. Maybe this is like, you know, your rebellious years. Maybe this is your life without God, your, your prodigal son story. Maybe it's bad habits or a, uh, a bad weekend. Whatever it is, it's probably something that causes you a lot of regret. The, um, the subject of hell in the New Testament uh, it says this, this phrase sometimes when it's describing uh, Hades and hell. It says that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I think, man, that, that doesn't sound like a great place. But that's the place that a lot of us live in. 
every single day. There's weeping over things that have happened to us that were beyond our control, things where we've been injured, insulted, and rejected. And then there's gnashing of teeth. Uh, what I like to think about that is like, we've all done this. Those regrets that we have, we just grit our teeth and like, how oh, could we have been so stupid? If we would have just done something a little bit differently, you know, those, those, those mistakes that we made or those, those things that we wish would have a different outcome, we just gnash our teeth and like, oh, just beat ourselves up with that kind of thing. Well, there's a word for those, there's two rocks, you know, the things that have happened to us, the things that we've done to injure people and insult people and reject people. Uh, that word is called sin. You know, when I say that word sin, I think a lot of us think, well, I know, I know what sin is. That's something that, you know, preachers say. It's just like the, the nasty nine, the filthy five, the dirty dozen. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like this list of rules, like smoking and drinking and having sex outside of marriage and yada, right? All that stuff. And that, that's part of it. But when you think about sin, it's what hurts God's heart probably more than anything else is that when his children get hurt. You know, whether we do that to ourselves or whether we do it to others, that's the sin, I believe, that grieves God's heart more than anything. And so here's the deal, folks. If you don't deal with your past, if you don't deal with the things in your past, whether that's things that have happened to you or that whether that's things that um, you've done that have caused pain and despair in your life, uh, whatever it is in your past, if you don't deal with that, it's kind of like these demons, and I'm kind of talking about that in kind of a figurative sense right now, those demons can go into the pit of your soul and they get stronger. It's like they go into the weight room and they start pumping iron. Don't you know this to be true? The longer that you deal with things in your past or don't deal with it, I should say, is that those things just get stronger. Those rocks tend to pile up and they get heavier and heavier and you get more weak and more hunched over. And that's not the abundant life that Christ has called us to. Far from it. Kind of reminds me of the National Corvette Museum in Kentucky. Five years ago, uh, there was a sinkhole that swallowed up eight vintage Corvettes and millions of dollars of unsalvageable damages took place. And a lot of times, this is us walking around. There's this impending doom, this sinkhole that we're just allowing as we think about our past and rehearse our past and, and go over our past and we just start carrying these, these rocks and there are sinkholes that happen in our life. I think you're getting where I'm going with that. We don't want to uh, do any more damage to, to our souls, uh, to our bodies, to our spirits than, than is necessary. <laughs> Too much of that already. And so here's the, the central theme of the Lion King. It's also the message of the New Testament, and it's why I came to speak to you today. So if you have a cell phone or smartphone, I would love for you to take a picture of this next slide, because it's really, really important. It's maybe not the most profound thing you've ever heard, but I really want this to Get seared in your brain today. You are not defined by your past. You are not defined by your past. You might think you are. You might think it's how you're shaped. Um, but I think the Bible says something differently about that. You're not defined by your past. In John 8... Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, and this is one of the most profound things I think Jesus ever said. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, you know, the truth will set you free. You've heard it in, like, courtroom dramas before. Did you know Jesus originated that? This was his, his thing. He said that you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So another way to look at that is that truth produces freedom, and freedom is what we all want, right? So if you are experiencing freedom in your life in every possible way, it's because you're hanging on to truth, the truth from, from God's word. Jesus goes on to say in verse 44, he, and he's talking about the devil here, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and a father of lies. Uh, think about your native language. For most of it's English, no pala, you're... Spanish, uh, whatever your native language is, do you have to really think about your native language that much? I mean, you just kind of grew up and somehow you picked it up along the way and you speak it kind of effortlessly. Jesus tells us that Satan's native language, what he speaks, is lies. That's what he does. He doesn't even have to try it. That's all he does. Lie, 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 lie. He's the father of lies. And that originates with him. Speaks his native language. So back to the truth equals freedom. The opposite of truth is lies. And the opposite of freedom is slavery. It's bondage. So think about this. If you are ever in bondage in your life, it's because you are listening to the lies of Satan. It's that simple. And the only anecdote for that is to replace those lies with the truth of God's word, which produces freedom in your life. And so God doesn't want us to live in slavery. He doesn't want us to live in bondage. And so many of us walk through our Christian lives like that. And God wants so much more for us in that. You know, and when, when Satan lies to us, he, he definitely doesn't do it like you might think he does. He doesn't put on the red suit and the pitchfork, you know, and, you know, with the horns. We would totally recognize that, wouldn't we? Or if Satan has, like, the voice of Scar, you know, Jeremy Irons, we would all get that, right? But Satan usually disguises his voice as, when he's talking to me, it's my own voice almost every single time. And he probably does it to you in your own voice as well. This is how Satan disguises those lies. And what we usually do, we just pull up at a stool form. We say, yeah, tell me more about that kind of stuff. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, right? We, we do that, and what we need to do is like dispel those lies with truth. I mean, next time Satan tells you a lie in your own voice, like, I'm not listening to that. Go tell that to Rob Yancey or someone else, right? I'm not, look, I'm not listening to that anymore because that produces bondage and slavery in my life, and I don't need any of that. So I think we have some, some options of what to do with these, these packs that we carry around. We have some options of what to do with, with our past, whether that's things that have happened to us or whether that's our own sin, our own mistakes. One thing is that we can repress the pain. That's an option. It's kind of what Simba did when he went out into exile, when he spent all those years growing up, just kind of repressed it, not think about it, hope things kind of worked out well back home, and they didn't. Um, this is what guys like me do a lot. I'm, I've got a Dutch heritage. Anyone Dutch in here? Being Dutch ain't much. Or I'm the only one here. Well, good Dutch people, we don't fly off the handle very much. We don't lose it, but we just love to repress that down there, you know, and that's not a, not a good option. Uh, another option is you can rehearse the pain. You can rehearse it, kind of like an Elton John 
circle of life, circle of death soundtrack that can just go over and over. You can rehearse that. And a lot of the ways that we rehearse it is we, we blame others. We blame others and play the victim. We, we blame others for the, the condition that we're in. And it's not to discount the fact that they have hurt you or injured you or rejected you, but it's to say, hey, I'm, I'm blaming others for the, where I'm at today. A lot of times we blame ourselves. We play this if-then game. Do you all do that? You know, if we just kind of go back, if we had a time machine, if I would have done that, then this wouldn't have happened. Or if I would have done this, this would have happened. I always think, man, if I had a time machine, that would be so cool, but I would probably just mess it up even worse. <laughs> probably a whole bunch of new mistakes and things like that. Uh, but a lot of times, not only do we blame others, not only do we blame ourselves, but we blame God. We blame God. We say, where were you? Where were you when I needed you? How could you, like, allow that thing to happen to me? How could you allow that stuff to go on in my life? How could you allow me to make those kind of mistakes? Where were you? So we, we blame God as well in the equation. Um, we can, another option we can have is we can release the pain. And I think this is what God wants us to do, to release that to him. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can release it. I don't think it's just a one time, oh, I'm just releasing it forever. I think it's a, a, it's a practice and something that, so that we need to process. Uh, just a real three quick little tips. Um, one is that uh, Rob has vetted some, some counseling services in our area, and so maybe it's time for you to get counseling. Maybe it's time for you to talk to somebody, to not shoulder this burden alone and to unburden yourself by, by getting some, some counseling, some, some people who are trained professionals that can, can help you work through these issues. So you don't have to be stuck in this pit of despair that you can be able to, to move on with your life. Uh, so we have some, some resources, and he's vetted some, I think like three that I know of in our area. Just go up to Rob and say, hey, I would love to, to get um, uh, referred to, to a counselor. Who would you recommend? You can even write on your Connect card, and we'll make sure that someone gets gets back to you on that. Um, I think the other thing you can do, and this is just like a little mindset sort of reformation, (laughs) reframing kind of thing. A lot of times we ask the question, why is this happening to me? Or why did this happen to me? But like, why am I so stuck? Why am I in this despair? Why am I haunted by my past? But instead of saying that, what if you ask this question, what is this teaching me? See how that changes everything? It doesn't change the circumstance of what happened to you or the mistakes that you made, or the sin that you engaged in. But what is this teaching me? And I think the third thing, and this is really, this is like Christianity 501 kind of stuff here, graduate level stuff, because this does not come easy or naturally for any of us. But the question is, can you be thankful? Can you be thankful for this load that you're carrying? Can you be thankful for the things that have happened to you in the past that have caused you pain? Can you be thankful for even the sin and the mistakes that you've made because it had allowed you to have a dependency upon God that you might not have had otherwise? So can you be thankful in those circumstances, which Paul says, be thankful in every circumstance. And if you do so, you are doing the will of God. If you ever want to know what the will of God is, one of the two things in the New Testament is to be thankful in every circumstance. So can you be thankful for these rocks that you're carrying in the midst of that? I like to think of um, if Jesus were to come back today, he'd be like a really rad dude. And I think he would drive a, like a pickup, like a Ford F-150 or a Raptor pickup. Um, I think we would get along because uh, 
I think, okay, what, I like backpacking. I love backpacking. That's one of my favorite. I don't like carrying rocks, by the way. This is really miserable. <laughs> but one of the things I was thinking about, like, would it be really cool if I could, like, go to, a, like, Alaska for a, a long backpacking trek? So what I do is I get on 95, and I start hitchhiking, and I, I make it about three miles, and no one's picked me up. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes in, you know, and swoops in and picks me up in the F-150 Raptor. And I'm just like, yes, thanks for the ride. I'm like, where are you going? He's said, ask me where I'm going. I'm, I'm going to Alaska for a backpacking trip. He's like, I'll take you the whole way there. I'm like, yes, so excited. So I hop in the back, and off we go. And three miles down the road, Jesus kind of looks in the rearview mirror, and there's me right in the back with my, like, pack on, you know? And he's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, well, hey, I really appreciate the ride. I appreciate you kind of saving me from walking to Alaska, but, you know, this, this stuff, that, that's my burden. You know, he's like, that's so dumb. Like, put, take that pack off, put that in the bed, and let me carry that. Jump in the cab with me. Let's, like, jam on some tunes or something like that. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Is that a lot of times, this is how we live our Christian life. It's like, we're, we're thankful that Jesus saved us. We're thankful that he gives us eternal life. But we don't trust him enough to, to saddle and, and, and share the burdens and shoulder the, the pain of our past. And this is what Christ came to do. He came not only just to, to save us from, um, from hell, to, to give us forgiveness and to give us new life in him. He, gave, he came to the shoulder of those burdens. He asked us to, to put our burdens on him. He's the strong one, and we're not. Um, here's some tough questions as you think about, and I know you're all thinking about, you know, the person and, and, and or you that's caused the, the pain of your past. Um, so I want to ask you this question. Um, what if you can't forgive that person? Or maybe more accurately, what if you won't? What if you won't forgive that person? Um, what if you can't forgive yourself? What if you won't forgive yourself? If that's the case with you, and I don't mean this to sound harsh, but think about it in this terms. If you can't or won't forgive other people for what they've done to damage you, and if you can't or won't forgive you and your stupid mistakes, then you actually are saying, I have higher standards than God. Because when Christ came to this earth, he forgave the sins, the sin of the world, past, present, and future for every single person, for you and for me. And when, in essence, we're re- not forgiving people, it's, it's basically saying, yeah, I, I have higher standards than God. And I don't think God's like, like this, you know, you need to forgive them, you know, and, and get on that. I, you know, it's, it's a process, and I understand that, but it's something I think that we all need to work at, and we all need to understand how much Christ has forgiven us, you know, and, and, and he doesn't want us to hold on to grudges, and it's, it's less about the person that we need to extend forgiveness to. It's about the, the stuff that we're carrying that's miserable. God has an abundant life for us, and it doesn't involve rehearsing and repressing the pain of our past. He wants so much more for us than this. So here's another phrase that I want you to maybe snap a photo of. Do not give your past the power to define your future. Do not give your past the power to define your future. I think you could even put Satan's name in your past there. Do not give Satan the power to define who you are today and the kind of person that you will be tomorrow. We think that we're a product of our past, that we're, we're this way today. I think we're more a product today of what we're going to be in the future, with God's help, of course.
So I want to close with this passage because I think it offers a lot of insight on um, the how we can do this. Uh, 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 5, Peter says this, To make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. That's kind of a long list of things, but when I read through that list, I'm like, that's what I want more of. Don't you? This is what Christ wants more of in your life. More love, more faith, more goodness, more knowledge, more self-control, more perseverance, more godliness, more affection, more love. But the thing is, he can't. I mean, God can do everything, but he can't give you that because your heart might be so full of rocks, of the baggage that you carry around. You know, not even God can break through a heart that's, that's holding on to so much junk in the past. There's just no room. There's no room for that. And man, Christ wants to give you those things in increasing measure. The next verse says this, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what I want. It's probably what you want. I want to be effective in my Christian life. I want to be um, productive in my walk with God. And in the, the one life that I have, I want to be, I don't want to be ineffective. I don't want to be in, unproductive. And so he says, we need to have these things in increasing measure. And here's, here's the kicker right here. Second Peter 1, nine says, For whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. That is the key right there. That is the key to unburdening yourself. That is the key to giving Christ um, the pain of your past, releasing that. And if you're not doing that, you've probably just forgotten that Jesus took away your sins. Simple as that. And this is so important for us because this is exactly why we celebrate communion every single, single week at Velocity. It's not to you know, play some music and to think of all the you know, bad things you did during the week and try to bargain with God that I'll, I'll do better this week. It's saying, no, I am doing this. I'm releasing this stuff. I don't want to carry this garbage anymore. Know, let that be a symbol of what Christ wants to do in, in your life, to unburden you with those things. He wants to shoulder those things. He is the creator of the universe. He's strong enough to do that, and we're not. So as we take communion today, we're going to sing a song, and as we take uh, a little bit of bread and juice to remember what Christ did for us on the cross, let us remember that we have been cleansed from our past sins. And start there and know that Christ wants to give you uh, so much more in your life. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. We thank you so much for not only uh, forgiving us, not only for rising from the dead so that resurrection power can come inside of us and raise us from our condition of spiritual death, uh, but God, you came to do more for us. You came to uh, shoulder our burdens, to, to heal us from our, our pain of our past, whether that was things done to us, whether that was mistakes and sin of our, of our own doing or probably a combination of the two. 
Uh, but God, we just want to say, teach us uh, to release that. Give us the courage to do that. Give us the understanding um, of how much you've forgiven us that we might extend forgiveness and grace to other people so that we can be free. Thank you for your truth, God, and your word that says will set us free. Uh, we love you. Thank you again. Amen.